thank you so much for tuning in to the Assembly of Perry, Georgia podcast. Let's join Pastor Tim McLaughlin for the message. All right, go to Psalm 23, and while you're going there, we're going to look at our starting scripture, Psalm 125, 1 and 2. This is what we're kicking off. So you can look at the screen for that. It says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved, but abides forever. As the mountain surrounds Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forever. So I want everybody to say this with me. All right, this will be the last week we do this. Everybody say it. I trust in the Lord. I I cannot be moved. moved. All right, not everybody said this. We're going to try it one more time. We're going to get excited, really. I trust in the Lord. I I cannot be moved. moved. Amen. Father, thank you again for the opportunity to teach your word. Help me, Lord, to say the things that I need to say in the way that I need to say them. Give each and every one that's here ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive. And we'll give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You need to write that down and you need to put, you know, they make these pins. Uh, I think I've talked about this before. They make these pins where you can write like on glass. I mean, it wipes off just like a, I don't know, what is it called? Expo marker. All right. It wipes off real easy with some Windex. My wife used to do those all the time. She'd get up early in the morning and she'd go into our kids' bathrooms and she'd write stuff on their, their bathrooms, on their mirrors. And uh, I used to write all my scriptures like that on there. But get you an Expo marker and put that on there. I trust in the Lord. I cannot be moved. And when you get up in the morning and you walk in the bathroom, let that be the first thing you see, even before you see your face. Look up there and, and read that, all right? Amen. All right, Psalm 23, we have been... Uh, uh, breaking this down, if you know me, I was talking to a, a pastor the other day. We are actually in staff meeting the other day. We were talking about this. Um, Gen, I think it's Gen, Gen what, what generation are we in right now? Gen Xers, Gen Zers, Gen, Gen Zs. Anyways, they were talking about that, and they said that this generation likes expository preaching. I thought, well, man, that I fit. I'm, I'm a little bit older, just a little bit, David, but just a little older than this generation. But I like that, expository teaching. I love to teach expository. I love to, to study the Word, and that's what we've been doing with Psalm 23. Uh, if you were here last year, you remember we took nine months to go through Romans. So, you know, anyways, we won't go that long on Psalm 23. But Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I was talking to, how many of you have been reading the devotion that we got out there for the 21 days and fasting, reading that every morning? So, um, i trying to think what days it was. I think it was Sunday and Monday maybe. Pastor Michael Monte, our worship leader, did two of his devotions and they were on Psalms. And so when I was talking to him Tuesday morning, I said, man, you're just the, the Psalm guy. I said, man, I love the Psalms. He said, I love doing devotion on Psalms. I said, well, I've been teaching on Psalms. I said, so, I mean, obviously a guy like yourself that loves Psalms, I said, you know they're not chronological. 
And he just kind of looked at me. He was like, yeah. I said, well, have you ever read a chronological Bible and find out where the Psalms are at and who wrote them and why they wrote them when? He said, no, but that sounds awesome. So, hey, see, y'all are a step ahead. Man, get your chronological Bible. Get in there. When you find out who wrote the Psalms and what was going on in their life, it just makes things so much more interesting. I, I, I like music. Um, I'm not a musician. I don't, you know, but, but there's probably not as much now as when I was younger, but there were certain groups that I really liked and certain singers. And when I would hear certain songs, I would always be like, I wonder what was going on when he wrote that or, or that group wrote that or what was going on. You know, back then you just couldn't Google everything. Today you can Google that. You know, why did they write that song? And, and I have. I've done that with some songs to find out what was going on in their lives. Um, and, and they've made a lot of movies about people uh, for different songs that they've written. Well, that's how the Psalms are at. Uh, they, they, they're written around specific things. That's what they are. They're songs that were written back then. They don't sing like our songs today, which they were written, most of them, in uh, Hebrew or Aramaic. But nonetheless, they're songs. So uh, the first week, we looked at the first three verses of Psalm 23. And we talked about the reset. Okay, 2024 is the year of reset. In order for us to reset, we need to, one, remove your guilt. Let God remove your guilt. Number two, let God remove your grief. And number three, let God replace your grudges. And if that sparks your interest and you weren't here for the first week, good news is we got it on podcast, YouTube, and it's on our Facebook. So you can go back and look at those. But uh, that's what you need to do in order to, to start a reset. Then last week, uh, we picked up in verses 4 and 5 and discussed how life is full of ups and downs. John 16, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. But in the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. we got tribulation in this world. Things don't always go the way that we want them to. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And that, that takes us back to what I was saying. That's why we can get up in the morning and we can de declare that I trust in the Lord and I cannot be moved because he's already taking care of things for us. David wrote Psalm 23 while he was in Manham wandering around uh, because there was battle between him and the forces of his son Absalom. Absalom had gotten full of pride. What happened to the last person that got full of pride in heaven? God, right? Lucifer got full of pride. Absalom got full of pride. And he said, I know that uh, my dad said Solomon's going to be the king, but I'm the eldest. I'm going to be the king. So he goes and he gets one of David's generals. He gets a couple other people. He says, you guys go with me, blow the trumpet, and declare me king. Well, Nathan the prophet finds out about it. He runs in and he start, starts talking to David. He says, wait a minute, who did you say was going to be the, the, the next king? He said, well, it's not Absalom, it's Solomon. You better hurry up and do something. Well, Absalom decides he, he wants to uh, uh, start this battle. David takes off, and when they cross over, they cross over at the Ford Jabbok. All right? The Ford Jabbok is a place where you'll see in Genesis, if you go back, where Jacob wrestled with the Lord. He sent his family across to the other side. He came back across this side, and he wrestled. He was dealing with you know, is my brother going to kill me when he finds me? Is my, my parents going to accept me because I ran off? I mean, I've been gone for 21 years. What's going to happen? And he was struggling with all these decisions, and he wrestled with the Lord 
there at the forge of Bach. Same thing's happening with David. You know, I don't want my son to die, but he's not the rightful king. I'm leaving my own country. I'm the king of this country. David's dealing with all these people are cursing him. One guy is running along the wall, throwing stones at him and doing all these things. David is struggling with all this, and he's writing this psalm, uh, Psalm 23, about what's taking place in his life. All right? We're going to pick up tonight in verse number 5, Psalm 23, verse 5. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. All right. Um, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. That, that verse 5c, my cup runs over right there. Number one on your worksheet. One translation says, my cup is an abundant drink. My cup is an abundant drink. David's saying right here, he says, my cup runs over. I'm not in want. I don't lack. I don't have to worry. God is with me. He's the abundant drink. He is, he is my, you know, I, I get up in the morning, Ms. Sheridan and I, we get up and we pray together. And, and I, I always declare, Lord, I thank you. You know, you're my source. You're my provider. You're my healer. You're my strength. You, God is my everything. He, he is your abundant drink. You will not be parched. You will not ever thirst again because he is with you. Now, when, when you think about this, David was a boy shepherd and he grew up to be the shepherd. Now he's writing a psalm to the great shepherd, which is the Lord. And so he's writing this and he's referring to a shepherd's cup. Now, I didn't do a slide for this. I, I was trying to find a good picture of one. But if you've ever seen a, a, a shepherd's cup, uh, an old cup from back in that time frame, it was a large hollowed out stone um, that could hold up like to 40 to 50 gallons. So when we think of a shepherd's cup, now we're not thinking like the shepherd's cup, like he's drinking, but his sheep. So he would find, you know, you got to think about where, where, where are they at? Anybody, who's been to Israel? Anybody been to Israel? Nobody. I thought somebody in here. Okay. I've not been. I was supposed to go this year. They had to cancel it because of everything that's going on. So hopefully we'll get to go in the fall. Um, but desert, right? So you're out there and you're in desert. There's, there's not. And, and so trying to figure out wells, trying to find streams, trying to find places to take your sheep. And so what they would do a lot of times is they would find these, these big rocks, these, these um, I know we've got them up in Tennessee. I don't know if you have them in Georgia. But it's like you got this, this limestone that's in the, in the ground. And they would bore out holes into the limestone. And then they would bring the water and they would fill it almost like a trough. And that was the shepherd's cup for the sheep to come and drink out of this. 40 to 50 gallons worth of water into this. Abundant drink for his flock. The emphasis of Psalm 23.5 is the good shepherd's loving care for his sheep. He supplies the abundance even in the midst of difficult times. Regardless of what was going on, regardless of, of how dry it might have been, it was the shepherd's job to provide for his sheep. David, all right? So, so we're, we're looking at two things here. David's a shepherd. He's writing this psalm to the great shepherd. He says, I understand that God is my source. But God called me to shepherd these people. And now the wolf is coming after my people. I've got to get my people to safety. 
And so David takes those that would follow him across the Fort Jabbok and he takes them to a place of safety to make sure that they're provided for. You getting this? So, so David's he's, he's writing to the shepherd, but he understands. He said, but I'm talking about me too because God's called me to be a shepherd. All right? He supplies abundance. John 10, 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. David was willing to do whatever it took just to provide for the, for the people of Israel. This abundance is not limited to the material blessings under the Old Covenant, but it also includes the Holy Spirit's future outpouring upon those who would ask. So even though David is writing this, and he writes this Psalm 23, and again, it's just, like I said earlier, songs. There are some songs that were written 20, 30 years ago. Amazing Grace. I can't remember the first time I, I used to know when it was penned the first time. But look how many generations Amazing Grace has lived. I mean, there's some songs that were recorded that you never hear, but that's one of those that it doesn't matter what denominational church you go into, they know Amazing Grace, and it's been done to several different types of music, but the lyrics hold true forever. So David is writing this 23rd Psalm, and he's, and he's talking about the great shepherd, and he says that he gives his life for his sheep, and he's not only talking about then, what God was doing for him, but it's a prophetic of what Jesus did for us, what the Holy Spirit still does for us, constantly pouring out, constantly making provision for you and for I. Luke eleven thirteen 13 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All we have to do is ask, and God will give us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will, will constantly be Think about what Paul said in Romans. When you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit helps you with groanings and utterances. Man, we've got, we have God in us. And when we don't know what to pray, we can say, God, will you pray through us? And He will do so. He can, he, he, we never lack because he provides in every situation. If we would just listen. I, I struggle with that sometimes. Sometimes it's just a matter of listening. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just being, trying to, you know, yes. You have not because you ask not. The problem is some people go into their prayer and they just ask, 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 and then say amen. Sometimes we need to we need to listen. He said, be still and know that I'm God. Sometimes that means we need to listen. I mean, sometimes I go into prayer and I'm like, Lord, I thank you that, you know, and I, I, I give my praise. I thank him for everything. And I may ask a couple, you know, look over my kids, look over my, my wife, look over my family, look over the church. Lord, what do you need me to know? And then I'll just, I'll just sit there and I just wait and, and, and he says, he says he wants to give greater gifts to us. The Bible emphasizes the extra, the Bible emphasizes the excessive love, blessings, and power that the Holy Spirit gives to us. All right? Look at this Malachi 3:10. We talked about tithing earlier. He says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. 
And then he says, try me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough for you to receive it. I like that. God, God doesn't say, try, yeah, I mean, he, try me. If you don't believe, if you don't believe what the ball-headed preacher's saying about tithing, try me, is what God's saying. He's telling you the truth. If you will bring your tithe, there won't be any lack. Now, listen, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Don't, don't bring your tithe expecting, you know, I gave, I gave $100 Sunday, so on Monday, heaven's better open. I mean, you, you, but when your heart is, listen, I'm giving my first fruits. He says, I'm going to open up the windows of heaven, and I'm going to pour out. I can, I can think of so many times in Sheridan and I's life where, you know, I mean, you've heard me say when I left the car business, when we got into ministry, I took a big cut in pay. You know, the first time we got into ministry and I walked away from the car business and we went seven months without any income. And Sheridan looked at me and said, you know, we're broke. I had $150 to our name, had two kids and mortgage payment. I was like, what are we going to? Man, I prayed. I said, Lord, you said you would supply all of my needs. Boom. Man, God was right there. I remember all the years at Teen Challenge, there were times, you know, when we first started that ministry, we had $10,000 in the bank. I had myself and one other staff member to make payroll on. We had six beds, and we instantly filled up those six beds. We had to buy groceries, pay utilities, take care of those ladies. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how, $10,000 don't go a long way when you're feeding eight people every single day in a, in a facility like Teen Challenge. I said, Lord, you're the one that called me to open this. You're going to have to provide. And I, and I can't tell you how many days Sheridan and I would be sitting there. And she's like, honey, this is the balance sheet. We've got to make payroll tomorrow. I said, let's pray. We'd pray. I'd go out to the mailbox and I'd open the mailbox. I mean, God always, it was always there. He was, he was always, he might be four days late in your book, but he's always on time. All right? He said, try me now on this and see if I won't open the windows. Jesus talked about generosity in John 10, 10 when he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you'd have life and have it abundant. Abundant. Abundant life. So David, again, he's talking about this cup that runs over. My sheep, as a shepherd, my sheep, they're going to have water. Now as an adult, as a king, he's talking about my sheep. He says, and they're not going to lack either because I'm going to make sure I take them to the place where they can thrive regardless of what takes place. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Man, I love that. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Man, God wants to be our overflowing cup. All right? Number two, God has supplied all my needs, spiritual, physical, and emotional. God has supplied all of my needs, spiritual, physical, and emotional. Why do we start with the spiritual need? Because if we'll start and get the spiritual need figured out, that normally takes care of 
most of everything else. More times than not, our physical needs, our emotional needs, our financial needs are, are all tied back to where we're at spiritually. Healing school. Where are you at spiritually? When you understand where you're at spiritually and you understand the promises of God, then when, when things come upon you, you know, you're not shaken. You're not shook. You're not shaken. Shaken. All right. Because you know your foundation. You know what the word says. Look to the English teachers in here, okay? So spiritual, physical, and emotional. He has anointed us with the Holy Spirit for such a time as this, and He has blessed us with abundance in every spiritual blessing. Look at this. I, I like this. I don't know if we've got all of this up there, but Psalm 27, verses 1 through 6. Psalm 27. Yeah, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who is that? Um, right there just left me so you talk about songs i can i can tell you the song i just can't tell you who wrote song. huh no 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 it's a it's a uh, an african-american singer and he says uh and he starts off that the song that way he says the lord is my light and my salvation huh no that's not it. I'll, I'll get it to you anyways my wife always tells me she goes you start stuff like that none of it's important but it was important to me the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though a war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret place of His tabernacle He shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifice of joy in His tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praise to the Lord. Man, when you understand that God takes care of all of your needs, when you understand that He is your overflowing cup, when you understand that there is no lack and He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above, you can write Psalms like David says and you can say, He is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Man, gets me excited. All right, Psalm 23, verse 6. Psalm 23, verse 6. First part of it says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I remember Pastor Mike Campbell, and I actually believed him for a while there, and I kind of had to study it out. But he, you know, he said, uh, every one of us have two angels constantly going with us. He said, he said David proved it. I was like, man, I drew in, you know, I was young, I was a new preacher. I, I was like, man, I don't remember this in my Berean studies. And so I leaned in. He said, look what David said. He said, goodness and mercy. Follow me. That's the name of the angels. I was like, I don't know about that. But anyhow, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You know, God goes before you. He goes with you. He is in you. All right? So what David is saying 
is that the shepherd, the shepherd, is with us, protecting us, providing us, directing us through life's journeys. He is constantly with us. A shepherd of sheep is always with his sheep, never leaves them unattended. Always, always alert, sleeps with one eye open, always looking after the sheep. The shepherd, uh, the, the pastors, you know, some people, and, and, and I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, the reason that my heart is so full for opening up this Bible school, I was on the phone, I, I've talked to six or seven different Bible colleges and universities over the last several weeks trying to figure out which university we're going to join with. And they're like, why do you want to do this? I said, because we've got a group of ignorant preachers. And therefore, we have ignorant churches. And I don't mean that bad. I didn't call anybody names. There's just no knowledge of what true ministry is really like. Young people coming up out of Bible schools right now. I mean, even AG schools, they've already had to close down several Assembly of God universities because enrollment is so low right now. And the, the other universities that are still going that I've been talking to, they said their enrollment's down. And they said what happens is a lot of people are going to this. And a lot of these universities, more people are going to them to learn education and philosophy and psychology than they are ministry. Nobody wants to be in ministry. And those that are, are in ministry that are coming up, they don't understand what ministry is about. They turn their phone off and they, they want to work a nine to five and they don't understand that ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. And David is saying right here, he, he says, listen, he says, the Holy Spirit goes with me, directs me in everything that I do because I am a shepherd just like he is my shepherd. And he directs me just like I need to direct my people. If we think of physical sheep following a shepherd, no matter what terrain looks like, no matter whether it's hilly, flat, whether it's a valley, rocky, grassy, bare, whatever it is, the shepherd is there to make sure that he guides his sheep and protects them. Our lives are the same way. No matter what's going on, no matter what trials, no matter what storms, no matter what financial burdens, no matter what viruses come our way, God is with us and God is in us to direct us in every situation. Romans 8, 28 says, We know that all things work together for the good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. I think a lot of times people hear that passage of Scripture there in Romans 8, 28, and, and they, 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 they ask themselves, does He mean every situation we go through? And, and I want you to understand something. It kind of goes back to that whole spiritual Physical and emotional. It starts with the spiritual. So when you think about this, not all things work together for the good, for those that call, because not all things that you get into are of God. Sometimes the Lord's like holding up signs saying stop, and you're thinking he's saying detour. And we need to pay more attention. We need to listen to him when he's speaking. We, we man, you know, that's, again, that's why we have so many That's why divorce is higher in the church than it is outside the church. That's why we have so many church splits. That's why we have so many people that are church hurt. I talk to people all the time. I'm like, where do you go to church? Well, I don't go to church. I'm like, why not? And they start telling you all these excuses. And I find just look at them. I'm like, you got church hurt. They're like, yeah, I got church hurt. You know, the, the reality is this. I'm human. 
Thank you. Amen. I'm human. I make mistakes. I'm not always going to get... Pastors are human. Pastors are going to make mistakes. Not all of us are Chuck Norris, regardless of what Lenny thinks, okay? He, I appreciate him being my, my biggest fan and all that, but, you know, the reality is we're going to make mistakes. We're going to miss it. And we need the body. We need to encourage one another. Again, I'm trying to tie this back into David. So David takes his flock over there. And then when he finds out that Absalom gets killed, he begins to weep and he begins to cry. And his general comes to him and says, you're the king, man. Suck it up. These people are looking to you. And David's like, man, I'm, I'm just human. That's my son. He says, I know. Grieve later. But right now, lead. Lead. You know, people are looking to us. People are looking to you. Man, you got Christian bumper stickers and Christian t-shirts and you wear these things to work and then when all heck breaks loose, people are looking to you. How's she going to respond with what's going on? And then they wonder why, you know, why they call people hypocrites because some Christians don't walk out what they preach. So when we look at Romans 8, 28, not all things work together for the good because not all things are from Him. But when we're with Him and we're listening to Him, even though we're going to go through trials and tribulations and we're going to go through hard times, He will bring us out on the best side of all of those things. All right? So we need to get a hold of that. You know, Satan tries to deceive. He tries to cause robots, sickness, burdens. But we can always go to the Lord. James 5.11 says, Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. Job never cursed God, never turned his back. I mean, I, he, he said some stupid things like, I wish I'd never been born, but he never cursed God, and he endured to the end. I love that passage of Scripture in Job where he, he finally says, and God comes and speaks to him, he says, I've heard of you, but I did not know you. Now I know you. We know him. If we know Him, if we have made Him Lord of our lives, we know that He will guide us through every situation. All right? David didn't cause this situation. Well, let me rephrase that. David's actions caused. He, he didn't, it wasn't his intention to have to take the people out of Israel. But because of Bathsheba, I read this to you last week, because of his affair with Bathsheba, because of adultery, because of killing Uriah the Hittite, God came to him and he told him, he said, the sword will rise up in your own house and even one of your own will come against you. So, so what I'm saying is all things work together for the good. God said, it's going to be hard because you brought this on. But I'm going to get you on the backside. I'm going to make sure that same thing with Job. It's going to be hard, but if you'll trust me, I'm going to get you on the backside. And he gave Job twice as much as what he had beforehand. Number three, you need to understand this. We reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. Again, David committed uh, adultery with Bathsheba. The Lord told him, uh, told him through the prophet Nathan what would happen. His firstborn son died. In uh, 2 Samuel 13, David's son Amnon uh, had a, uh, an, a raped David's, one of David's daughters from another one of his wives. Absalom got bitterness in his heart. David committed sin, but he repented. Psalm 51 says, Lord created me a, a, a right heart. All right? David repented. Absalom never repented. 
He allowed anger and bitterness to rise up in his heart to cause him to this rebellion. He ended up killing his half-brother Amnon. He ended up fleeing from David and staying away for three years. And then when he came back, he, he, he started this whole rebellion that caused David and them to flee. But because of one prayer of repentance, God made a way for David. Because he repented, he made a way. All right? So though David's son was killed, the kingdom was restored to him. Number four, the blessings of following the good shepherd is that even when we miss it, we will experience his goodness, his mercy, and his love. The blessing of following the good shepherd is that even when we miss it, we will experience his goodness, his mercy, and his love. Goodness is the Hebrew word tob, which means beautiful, best, better, bountiful, cheerful, at ease, fair, favor, fine, merry, pleasant. I didn't give you all of them, I just gave her some. But, but this is what the, the word goodness means. It's the blessings of, of following God. The word mercy is the Hebrew word kashid, 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 something like that. But it means to have zeal for one and to show special kindness and love. So the word mercy is, is, a, is a zeal. I've been, I've been reading a lot about this word zeal. It's got me kind of stirred up. Because uh, you go back and you start thinking about when uh, Balaam, Balaam was called to prophesy a curse over the children of Israel, but God wouldn't let them curse. So instead, what he told the king was, he said, I can't curse them, but what you can do is deceive them. Get them to marry your women. And so they did that. The children of Israel went outside, and it says they started bringing these women into the camp, and they started having these children that, that, that were not Israelite children. They were, uh, they, they, they were worshiping false idols. And there was a man by the name of Phineas. And Phineas had such zeal that he ran into a tent and he drove a spear through both the man and the woman in there. And it stopped the plague that was taking place. He had zeal for God. There's another man we read about in the New Testament had zeal for the things of God. His name was the Apostle Paul. Before he was Paul, he was Saul. And he thought what he was doing by persecuting Christians was the right thing because of his zeal for God. But then after he had an encounter with the Lord, his zeal turned to the right thing. And that's why he was able to do all those journeys, you know, missionary journeys and go through everything that he went through because of that zeal. If we could just grasp a hold of that zeal that God has. Man, we would, we would be reaching our communities. We would be reaching our neighborhoods. We, we wouldn't get church hurt because we would have this zeal, this mercy that God has. God showed us mercy, and we need to show other people mercy. David prayed and said, God, I know I have done wrong, but forgive me. And God said, I will forgive you. I will forgive you. I will show you mercy. That doesn't mean that you're not going to have to reap some things, but I... I will spare your life and I will restore your kingdom. Then David finished Psalm 23, 6b. And he says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Because of God's love for us, David saw prophetically through the Spirit what we know through the Word of God 
that we who follow the shepherd will be with him in his kingdom. Look at that. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. David understood even when he committed the sin with Bathsheba, he said, when he got up, he said, I can't, I can't bring him back, but I know that I'm going to go where he's at. He understood instantly how gracious his God was and that he would dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And he knew that even if I'm on the run from Absalom or even if my life, if, if he's got to kill my life, I know that where I'm going to spend eternity. We need to understand that, that regardless of the trials and the tribulations of life, if we'll make Jesus Christ Lord of our life, we also will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in this holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Number five on your worksheet, David understood eternity. David understood eternity. Man, if we could grasp a whole... Do you understand? I think so many times Christian people look at eternity as something that's coming instead of understanding that eternity is something we're in. If we... If we as Christians could get a hold of this, when I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life, I entered eternity. And if we could grasp a hold of that, that, that we're walking in the kingdom right now, we're walking in the eternal right now. Man, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Quit looking forward to the day that we, we die to get into eternity and start living as if we're already there right now. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. Revelation 22, 3 says, And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God of the, and the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. John 14, 1 through 3 tells us, Let our hearts not be troubled, Believe in God, believe in Him also. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And where I am, there you may be also. Man, we need to learn from David, the shepherd, and his love for the great shepherd, our overseer, our guardian, our Lord and protector. Remember, I shared with you earlier, John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for his sheep. Jesus said to not, to not let our hearts be troubled, but to trust in him. He already came. He already prepared a way. He already died on the cross. When we're in our mess, when we're in this world, we don't, we, we, we don't have to worry, but we can have peace because the greater one lives inside of us. John 14, 27 John 14, 27. It says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Listen, we're going to get hurt physically, emotionally, spiritually, but we need to understand that God is with us. David says, Listen, I've been, I've been through 
I've made the mistakes. I've done all these things. He lived a repented life. He knew that God was was leading him. He knew that his cup was overflowing. He knew that God was going to protect him and his sheep because they were God's people before they were ever David's people. He knew that God was going to bring them back. He knew that he had peace with the Lord. He hated to see what was going to happen to his son Absalom, but he understood that he was right with God. Life's tough. We get beat up. We get discouraged, depressed, disappointed. But he restores our soul. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to understand that the rod, the staff of the shepherd, is one of protection and correction. We need to understand that He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We need to understand that He anoints our head with oil and that our cup will never go empty. God cares for each of us and for our needs. Even in times such as these, when evil forces attempt to destroy mankind, God is with us. And if we'll repent and call out to Him, follow Him and put our trust in Him, His goodness and mercy will be with us And we will eventually not only spend eternity here on this earth with him spiritually, but we'll be with him physically forevermore in our glorified bodies. Amen? So I want you to say this with me. One last thing, we'll we'll finish. Say this. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Don't want. Ask. Ask and understand that you've already got it. Ask and understand that it's yours for the taking, that your cup runs over. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast from the Assembly at Perry, Georgia. God bless.